Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the January 23rd episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. So today we'll be looking at numbers 109 through 119, 11 verses of the Catechism. 3. The Holy Spirit, Interpreter of the Scripture. Paragraph 109. In Sacred Scripture, God speaks to man in a human way. To interpret Scripture correctly, the reader must be attentive to what the human authors truly wanted to affirm and to what God wanted to reveal to us by their words. Paragraph 110. In order to discover the sacred author's intention, the reader must take into account the conditions of their time and culture, the literary genres in use at that time, and the modes of feeling, speaking, and narrating them current. For the fact is that truth is differently presented and expressed in the various types of historical writing, in prophetical and poetical texts, and in other forms of literary expression. Paragraph 111. But since sacred scripture is inspired, there is another and no less important principle of correct interpretation, without which scripture would remain a dead letter. Sacred scripture must be read and interpreted in the light of the same spirit by whom it was written. The Second Vatican Council indicates three criteria for interpreting Scripture in accordance with the Spirit who inspired it. Paragraph 112. 1. Be especially attentive to the content and unity of the whole Scripture. Different as the books which comprise it may be, Scripture is a unity by reason of the unity of God's plan, of which Christ Jesus is the centre and heart open since his Passover. The phrase heart of Christ can refer to sacred scripture, which makes known his heart, closed before the passion, as scripture was obscure, but the scripture has been opened since the passion, since those who from then on have understand it, consider and discern in what way the prophecies must be interpreted. 113. 2. Read the scriptures within the living tradition of the whole church. According to a saying of the Fathers, sacred scripture is written principally in the church's heart rather than in documents and records. For the church carries in her tradition the living memorial of God's word, and it is the Holy Spirit who gives her the spiritual interpretation of the scripture according to the spiritual meaning which the Spirit grants to his church. 114. 3. Be attentive to the analogy of faith. By analogy of faith, we mean the coherence of of the truths of faith among themselves and within the whole plan of revelation. The senses of scripture. Paragraph 115. According to an ancient tradition, one can distinguish between two senses of scripture, the literal and the spiritual, the latter being subdivided into the allegorical, moral and anagogical senses, 
The profound concordance of the four senses guarantees all its richness to the living reading of scripture in the church. 116. The literal sense is the meaning conveyed by the words of scripture and discovered by exegetes following the rules of sound interpretation. All other senses of sacred scripture are based on the literal. 117. The spiritual sense. Thanks to the unity of God's plan, not only the text of scripture, but also the realities and events about which it speaks can be signs. 1. The allegorical sense. We can acquire a more profound understanding of events by recognising their significance in Christ. Thus, the crossing of the Red Sea is a sign or type of Christ's victory and also of Christian baptism. Two, the moral sense. The events reported in sacred scripture ought to lead us to act justly. As St. Paul says, they are written for our instruction. Three, the anagogical sense. Greek, anagoge, leading. We can view realities and events in terms of their eternal significance, leading us toward our true homeland. Thus, the church on earth is a sign of the heavenly Jerusalem. 118, a medieval couplet, summarises the significance of the four senses. The letter speaks of deeds, allegory to faith, the moral how to act, anagogy our destiny. 119, it is the task of exegetes to work according to these rules, towards a better understanding and explanation of the meaning of sacred scripture, in order that their research may help the Church to form a firmer judgment. For, of course, all that has been said about the manner of interpreting Scripture is ultimately subject to the judgment of the Church, which exercises the divinely conferred commission and ministry of watching over and interpreting the Word of God. But I would not believe in the Gospel had not the authority of the Catholic Church already moved me. So very well. So today we have this section on the interpretation of Scripture. In my own copy of the Catechism, I'm afraid I'm one of these people that uses a highlighter. And basically this whole section that we read today is all in yellow. It's all in, being highlighted. And even this is one of the few sections that I've got bits of it underlined. But anyway, um, this section is very important for teaching us how to interpret sacred Scripture. Because... One of the problems that people face is that many people interpret scripture and come out with all sorts of bizarre interpretations, that even sometimes even evil interpretations, like Satan will quote scripture when Jesus is being tempted and the devil says to him, the scripture says, if you cast yourself down, uh, the angels will catch you and you will not crush your foot against a stone. And if you go to the Psalms, you'll find exactly as Satan is quoting scripture perfectly. The problem isn't in his quotation. The problem is in his interpretation, that he's interpreting badly. He's applying the scripture to make Jesus do something that is against the will of God, which is why Jesus will not, will not follow him. And then also throughout history, there have been many people who have bizarre interpretations of scripture, wrong interpretations of scripture. And uh, this is why we need to see that scripture, a valid Catholic interpretation of scripture is that it must be interpreted in the light of the same spirit by whom it was written as the catechism says quoting from Dave Verbum I think it is 
and that this um, and that this is the Catholic way to interpret Scripture. It's true, Scripture is literature. It's possible for somebody who doesn't believe in God to read the Bible and to be entertained. There's a lot of entertainment there. There's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of ancient wisdom. Some people will look at the Old Testament and see it as being ancient wisdom. And yes, that's, that's valid to see that the poetry also as a historical document, that there's a, the scripture, sometimes people kind of want to prove that the Bible is true and to do that they use anything but the Bible. And this is a mistake because the Bible is also a historical document. It tells us an awful lot. So the Gospels, the four Gospels and the other writings of the New Testament tell us an awful lot about, uh, about Jesus, about the historical Jesus of Nazareth. They give us all sorts of details that, uh, in a sense, we know more about Jesus historically than anybody else living in the first century. And the same with the Old Testament, the history of Israel, that's fantastic sources of history. But this isn't what the church is worried about per se. That in Christianity, in the church, the uh, scripture is this word of God and that God is speaking in scripture, is instructing us. The scripture is a place where we can meet God, where we can find his will and we can uh, have his teaching. But for this, it's very important that the scripture be interpreted within the Catholic Church. These are the things to read it uh, in the content and unity of the whole of scripture. That's why if you're reading the Bible and suddenly you come across some new interpretation, take it easy. If you think that there's some new revelation, you're reading the Bible and you say, oh my God, I've just discovered an eighth sacrament. Or the fact that there are 11 commandments and not 10. Take it easy. Be careful. We shouldn't be uh, finding anything, anything radically new there. This is why we need to interpret scripture in the whole of the book. We look at all of Scripture together. Yes, certain parts are more important. The Gospels are more important than, I don't know, than, than uh, the book of Ecclesiasticus. But uh, we need to interpret Scripture within the whole book. That's why it's oftentimes very good to look. Some Bibles have got cross-references. And if you're looking at a passage, to look at the cross-references to that passage to see the similar um, takes of Scripture on the same subject. The other thing is to read Scripture within the living tradition of the whole church. All of the church, all of the history of the church, that's in a sense how the catechism goes about dealing with scripture. Also showing it with the magisterium and with the saints. And then with the analogy of faith as the third, uh, the third criteria. This analogy of faith is that the faith is uh, coherent and is symphonic. And we shouldn't be uh, looking for something new. We can look for a modernization when dealing with a new situation, yes. But we shouldn't be looking for something radically new in the, uh, in the scripture. I mean, if we discover that there's something new, if we discover, I don't know, extraterrestrial life, maybe we need to go back and look at the Bible a bit deeper and see, in light of these new historical circumstances, what the scripture can teach us. But it has to be in the context of uh, everything we've been looking at. The same way as if we discover some new medical procedure to see, is it valid? Is it listed? Is it something that we should be doing? Because, and this is what the church has done, for example, uh, with, um, I don't know, with organ donation or with eye in vitro, uh, in vitro fertilization and these new techniques, the church has to, had to go back to the scripture in light of the new science to get a coherent, modern teaching, but a teaching that is within the content of the faith, 
that maybe can be a development but can't be something new. So that what was taught yesterday is taught today. And then to see the scripture has these different senses. There's a literal sense. And unfortunately, so often, the Catholic scholarship stays at this literal sense. That if it says, if it's speaking about an ancient king, then yes, we can find out about the ancient king. We can find out about Herod Agrippus or Herod Antipas or the different people that are mentioned there, uh, you know, that uh, when Paul is speaking with Felix, the governor, we can find out about Felix or Pontius Pilate or these things. Or when Jesus is paying the half shekel tax, we can find out what is the half shekel tax. And these are very nice things to find out. They're very good things to find out. But this is just the literal sense. Then we pass to the spiritual sense that the scripture is not simply to teach us about the ancient uh, tax system of the Roman Empire, which some people might be interested in, but ultimately has doesn't have any effect on our lives today. But we have to see that there is a spiritual sense that does have an effect, that is something that calls us to see how the scripture prepares us for our lives. This is the allegorical sense that we can see that all of scripture is in Christ and Christ makes reference to us. The same way as it's saying here, the example of the Exodus going through the Red Sea is referred to Christ, Christ going through the, uh, the sea, Christ's baptism, and then also passes on to our own baptism. And then the moral sense of teaching us what to do. Scripture has got a very important function of teaching us what to do. And then the anagogical sense, which is also very important, is leading us along. Because so often it's not enough simply to know what to do, but that we have to be pulled along. This is why it's important to listen to the scripture. In a sense, scripture is more powerful when it's proclaimed in church, when it's proclaimed in a liturgical assembly. Not that it's bad to read it by itself on your own, fantastic, but that when you're in church, it is more powerful. And in a sense, the words itself can speak to us. The words itself can speak to our heart. The words itself can transform us. Many times the lives of the saints, we can see uh, that the saint is affected by the scripture in church. St. Anthony the Great, whose feast day is around now as well, it was last week I think, had this experience of being in church, hearing the word of scripture proclaimed, and hearing, if you will be perfect, leave everything and go and sell all your possessions and come after me. And he did that, and he went to live out in the desert and formed what is called monasticism in Christianity, and a very important discovery in Christianity. But it came through him being in church, listening to scripture. And then to see always this, ultimately, it's the, it finishes today with the, this quotation of St. Augustine. I would not believe in the gospel had it not the authority of the Catholic Church already moved me, says Augustine. That this idea that the church is the one that guarantees scripture. And again, this is the big difference between a Catholic view of scripture and a Protestant view of scripture. In the Protestant view of scriptures, many times they see scripture as being the book that makes the church, the guidebook for the church, the book that uh, governs the church, that you build a church. It's like the instructions. If, you, uh, if you're building furniture, you get some instructions on how to put it together, and the Bible is like this instruction book for how to build the church. Whereas in Catholicism, no. Scripture is extremely important, but its interpretation has to be done in communion with the church. The church comes first. And this is why always we see scripture as being the book of the church. So very good. So we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 120 through 130 of the Catechism. God bless.